good morning. Come on, how are we doing, everybody? You glad to be in church this morning? And let's welcome everybody that's watching online. Uh, it's truly wonderful to be able to be here. Uh, last week, of course, was Easter, um, which is traditionally uh, the biggest weekend uh, in any church, uh, their calendar. And last week was a fantastic week here at church. I'm pleased to let you know that there were people that made decisions to follow Jesus last week. Um, there were stories about people who had come to the church for the first time that were relatively new to the area, that were looking for a church, that decided to come check us out and have let us know that they've decided to make work of life, their home church. Uh, we had people who for the first time since the shutdown finally felt comfortable and ready to be able to come back and be a part of service here today. Uh, and we had overflow for the first time uh, over at the Elizabeth Street building. Um, and from all reports, it went extremely well. It was wonderful. Technology went great. Uh, there was a great atmosphere. Worship was a powerful time over there. So that was fantastic. And I can also let you know that last weekend is the highest attended weekend we've had since shutdown. Um, so beating even Easter any other weekend that we've had. Uh, and celebrating numbers for the sake of numbers is not the point. The point is each number represents somebody that is finding hope, that is finding freedom, that is finding peace in their relationship with Jesus. So um, the numbers aren't to be celebrated for the sake of numbers, but they represent God doing good work uh, here at the church. And as I was getting ready for uh, last weekend, getting ready for Easter service, I came to a point as I'm preparing my message that I was going to start talking about Psalm 113, uh, which is my favorite psalm. Uh, I truly love it. It makes me come alive whenever I read it. And so I was going to include that uh, as part of last week's message. But as I was going through and looking through, uh, it just would have been too much. Um, I don't have a problem going under time normally. So I had to cut something somewhere. And so Psalm 113 is what made uh, the cutting room floor. It's what was a deleted scene. It was an outtake. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to be speaking the week after Easter. So I want to dig in to that psalm and give it a whole week's worth of attention. Uh, and I'm glad that I did. Um, I got more than I bargained for as I started digging into this. I think there's a lot of gold in here that really blessed me and really ministered to me this week. So as I'm sharing this with you, I I'm truly excited that it is going to be a blessing to you. So um, if you're taking notes today, I always encourage everyone to do so. If you have a Bible, we're going to be in Psalm 113. We're going to go through the whole psalm. If you don't have a Bible, the words are going to be on the screen for you to track along with us. Um, but the psalm really is uh, in two halves, and we're going to cover it half at a time. So the first half, starting in verse 1, uh, says this, Praise the Lord. Yes, give praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord now and forever. Everywhere from east to west, praise the name of the Lord. And at a very surface level reading of that, uh, it's very easy to see that the focus of this first half, this first portion of the psalm is on praise. Very easy to see that. Praise the Lord. Give praise. Praise the name of the Lord. From everywhere, east to west, praise the name of the Lord. Very easy to see that this psalm is setting us up to talk about praise. Now, in the Old Testament, the Old Testament, the first three quarters of the Bible, uh, the original language was written in Hebrew. And there's a handful of Hebrew words that have been translated into English for praise. So as you read your English Bible and you see the word praise, there's a chance that there's, it's one of these handful of words in Hebrew that have been translated. And the different Hebrew words, they have uh, some slight variations, some slight connotations. Some of them talk about a physical posture of praise. Some of them talk about uh, an attitude or a heart of praise and how they may differ from one to the other. But the word that we see in uh, Psalm 113 is the word halal. And uh, you can already see very clearly that it's the root of the word hallelujah. So the word halal is the, uh, is the word that's used for 
um, praise in Psalm 113. I spent some time, there's a, a website that I'm able to go on to. I'm not sure who's behind it, but they do a wonderful job of making Bible resources available free. It's biblehub.com. Uh, I utilize it a ton. And one of the things I was able to see is that this word halal, this word that's translated as praise in Psalm 113, uh, there's a few different words that are used in the Old Testament that kind of spring from this word. So one of them is that uh, it says the word shine. So the word shine. It says the word boast, and it says the word loud. So as you kind of read the Old Testament, you see these words, there's a chance that the word halal is what's behind it. It's painting this picture of shine, boast, loud, as it's describing the praise that's coming from people. And what's amazing is that in modern culture, we've started using the word praise to mean upbeat worship songs. You know what I'm saying? Like we'll talk about praise and worship, and what we've come to mean by that is that praise is like that you know, song you jump up and down to before the band starts doing a Bethel song. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's a shame that that's what it's come to mean because that's not the picture that we're getting from this psalm. It really is talking about, uh, you know, the, to be halal, so to praise in Psalm 113 is to shine and loudly boast about is to shine and loudly boast about. And these are images that are carried on in the New Testament. John 8, Jesus speaking. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. He goes on another time in Matthew 5. This is Jesus talking again. You, talking to his followers, you are the light of the world. So here's Jesus and talking about this idea of shine that we see from this psalm is that I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. So you shine and you reflect my light as you are my followers. I am the light of the world. And because I am the light of the world, because I'm shining my goodness on humanity, because I'm shining bright in the darkness, and you as my followers, you get to reflect that brightness. You get to reflect that light. So as we think about this psalm and this word praise and this idea of shine, this is carried on into the ministry of Jesus. Another one of those words is to boast. And a very familiar passage in 1 Corinthians, Paul talking, Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, therefore, as it says in the Old Testament, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. And so here, Paul is quoting from the book of Jeremiah in the Old Testament that was written in Hebrew. And let's read that verse real quick. Jeremiah 9, 24. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone. This is the part that Paul is quoting in his letter that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth and that I delight in these things. But as Jeremiah starts there, those who wish to boast should boast in this alone. What are the chances that the Hebrew word that Jeremiah uses for boast would be halal? Anyone want to take a guess? Come on, somebody. It's real nice for preachers when it all kind of works out together like this. So here we see this, this shine and loudly boast about. This is the definition of that word that we see uh, that's used in Psalm 113. So I want to read Psalm 113 again, but where it says praise, I want to sub in our definition of shine and loudly boast. So Psalm 113, we're going to read this first few verses again. Shine and loudly boast about the Lord. Yes, shine and loudly boast, O servants of the Lord, shine and loudly boast about the name of the Lord. 
Blessed be the name of the Lord now and forever, everywhere from east to west, shine and loudly boast about the name of the Lord. For the Lord is high above the nations. His glory is higher than the heavens. That doesn't sound like the upbeat song that we just put up with until we can get into the good stuff. You know what I'm saying? This is praise. This is loud. This is shining. This is boasting about what God has done, the goodness that he's done in your life. This is the call that the psalmist is making to believers is to shine his goodness into humanity, shine his goodness in your life, to loudly boast, to live your life, that your life is boasting about the goodness of God, not hidden, not quiet, not subdued, but it is boasting of the goodness of God. It is just radiating God's goodness in any situation you may find yourself. Now, it's easy to say that because we're in church on a Sunday morning, but tomorrow we ain't going to be in church. So what do we do with this in real life? What do we do with this in real life? I mean, we, right now, praise may be part of the weekend service that you engage with. It may be, maybe you listen to worship music on your way to work, and so that's become a time of praise. But how do we take this psalm because the psalmist isn't saying do this occasionally. The psalmist is saying this is a lifestyle. This is how to live. This is how your everyday life is going to go, is praising, is shining the goodness of God, is loudly boasting the goodness of God. How do we do this throughout the life? Why should this matter to us? Why should we care about this? Why should this be on our mind? Why is this something we should concern ourselves with? And the psalmist goes on to explain why this matters. So as I mentioned, the psalm really is divided into two halves. The first half is given that strong encouragement to praise, to live loudly, to shine and loudly boast with the goodness of God, to praise God in your life, any which way you may find yourself in life. And then it goes on to say, and this is why you should care about this. This is why this matters to you. We're going to pick back up Psalm 113. We're now on to verse 5. This is why this should matter. Who can be compared with the Lord our God who is enthroned on high? And this is the world's best rhetorical question. Here the psalmist is saying, let's look at some ways that God is complete and utterly unique and awesome. This is some ways that God is truly amazing. That as you live your life praising him, as you live your life loudly boasting and shining his goodness, this is some of the ways that God is unlike anything else, anyone else, any false idol out there, any human hero, anything. This is how God is completely unique. Verse 6, he stoops to look down on heaven and on earth. He lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. He sets them among princes, even the princes of his own people. He gives the childless woman a family making her a happy mother. Praise the Lord. Live so your life shines and loudly boasts about God. And so for the rest of the time that we're going to spend in this psalm today, I want to have a look and I want to consider as we just read those verses about why we should care and why this should matter to us and why this should concern us, that we want to live a life that is praising God, a life that is shining God's goodness, that we are loudly boasting about God through our lives. I want to look at some of those reasons, and I've been able to identify four, that I believe the psalmist would want to say thousands of years ago and would also want to say to us today as we consider a life of faith. So four reasons why I should shine and loudly boast about God. The first one is he stoops. He stoops. Who can be compared with the Lord our God who is enthroned on high? How high is enthroned on high? 
higher than you or I could ever imagine. And yet, he stoops to look down on heaven and earth. He concerns himself with your life, my life, what worries me, what worries you, the things that you're up against, the things I'm up against, the things of this world. He stoops down on high, despite being far grander, far more majestic than I could ever describe to you. He stoops. He concerns himself with human affairs. He concerns himself with humanity. He concerns himself on a personal level with you, with me, with your neighbors, the people around you. And I've, I've read a, a number of accounts. Um, I've no idea if this is true or not, but I've read that uh, Charlie Chaplin entered a Charlie Chaplin lookalike contest and came 20th. <laughs> I've also heard, I mean, I really have heard the same story said about Elvis. I've heard it said about Dolly Parton that these people would enter this lookalike competition and wouldn't win. Now, I've no idea if it's true or not, but it does help make the point that if you're not expecting to see a celebrity, you'll miss it. It's surprising, you know, if you're not anticipating seeing a famous person, it's not on your mind to expect to see a celebrity. Um, I've shared with you a number of times that uh, Megan and I, for a period of time, we lived in a, a small rural community in Montana. And when I say small, I mean um, the high school graduated 12 students while we were there. I mean small community. And yet, in the coffee shop one day, in walks Michael Keaton, as in Beetlejuice, or Batman, depending on how old you are. But in walks Michael Keaton, because he bought a ranch a couple of hours away and the coffee shop was on his way. Let me tell you, that small rural community was not expecting Michael Keaton to walk in that day. They were not anticipating Beetlejuice coming in and getting a latte. It was not on their minds that day. stands out to us when a celebrity would descend from Hollywood or Fifth Avenue, how much more the creator of the universe. It's noteworthy. It's the talk of the town that Michael Keaton came in. How much more the creator of the universe. A number of, um, a number of years ago, it was while I was in college, so uh, while Megan and I were in Australia, uh, there was very popular at the time. It, it, mattered a great deal to a number of people, ministered greatly to a number of people. Um, pastor by the name of Louis Giglio, pastor of the church in Atlanta, he put together a, a talk and a presentation called Indescribable. I'm sure that some of you here have seen it, but uh, I believe it's available on YouTube if you haven't. It's fantastic. But in this talk, this message that he shared on Indescribable, he goes through the universe and he talks about how grand the universe is, how massive the universe is, the size of the biggest stars that we're aware of, and looks at the planets, um, you know, and just how majestic they are and how grand they are in scope and how enormous they are. And the whole point is to bring this understanding that in, in the scale of the universe, humanity, Earth as a planet, and specifically the individuals, are so incredibly small. In the scope of all creation, humanity is so small and yet the one that put the stars in the sky, died for you and died for me. And this talk was so powerful, it's extremely, it extremely powerful and ministered greatly to people. But what a great lesson for us. I mean, I believe it's maybe as much as 15 years old now. But what a great lesson, a great reminder for us that no matter how grand God is, no matter how powerful he is, high and above you, high and above me, any human power, 
He cares deeply in an indescribable way about you and about me. He stoops down, stoops down on heaven and earth. God is so big, he cannot be contained in the known universe, but he cares about the simplest areas of my life. God is enthroned on high, but never out of reach. God is enthroned on high, but never out of reach. The incredible humility that God shows in his character by being concerned about you and about me. He is not aloof. He is not distant. He is not unapproachable. He is not unknowable. He is not unknown. He is among us with arms wide open. And that's some good reason to praise. That is some good reason to shine and loudly boast. Second reason. Why should I shine and loudly boast? Reason two, he lifts. He lifts. Verse seven, he lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. And the concern for the poor, the needy, the people that is easy for us to overlook, the forgettable, It's a consistent biblical theme that God's heart towards those people is shown, that God's concern and compassion for those people is shown. But where it says here that he lifts them from the garbage dump. Now, it's possible that this is a specific garbage dump that the psalmist is talking about, not a general garbage dump. So lifts them from the garbage dump. Of course, it's poetic language. It's to communicate uh, a truth through poetry. Lifting people from the garbage dump, there's a, there's a possibility. It's not a general metaphor, but there's a specific garbage dump that the psalmist has in mind, and it's possibly the valley uh, that by the time of the New Testament was known as Gehenna. And there's a rich history of this valley and this place and this location in the Old Testament. A couple of things that are important to know as we look at this is that the Old Testament kings, some of the evil Old Testament kings that abandoned God, that abandoned faith, that ran towards pagan religion, that ran towards idolatry, some of them sacrificed their children there by fire. And King Josiah was the one that came in and put a stop to that. And it became a place where refuse from the streets and the temples would be dumped and then burned. And just to give an idea of how bad was this place, Jesus referred to this dump specifically, Gehenna, as a way of teaching about how bad hell is. When Jesus says, it's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye plucked out or one hand cut off, rather than going into Gehenna with both eyes and both, uh, both hands. He uses this garbage dump that was on the outsides of Jerusalem, on the outskirts of Jerusalem. He would point to that to try and help people understand what an eternity completely distant from him would look like. He's like, see that garbage dump over there? Yeah, it's like that. And that's not the only time he referred to this to help communicate just how bad eternity away from him would be. He'd say, see that garbage dump? It's like that. It's as bad as that. This kind of rescue that God provides, that he lifts out of the garbage dump. People so poor, so helpless that they're stuck in hell on earth. He stoops down and lifts. He stoops down and lifts. The worst place imaginable, this garbage dump where they would take all the refuse from the street, all the stuff, all the leftover from the temple, all the junk from the temple, and that's where they would burn it. And Jesus said it was so bad that that will help you understand just how bad hell is. That is the place that the psalmist says God lifts needy, desperate, broken people out of that. One of um, my biggest joys, if not the biggest joy, 
uh, as a pastor is being able to see people who find hope in the message of Jesus, who respond positively to the good news, who say, yes, I want to follow God. And then as I get to see their lives unfold and, you know, even build a relationship and a friendship with them over the course of six months or a year or two years, being able to see them realign their life, bring some structure to where there had been chaos, to where some uh, really unfortunate ways of thinking that have been, you know, just adopted throughout their whole life, suddenly they get to correct that thinking. They go from living a life of complete utter dysfunction and chaos to living a life of productivity and purpose, living with a sense of joy and peace that was completely missing before they met Jesus. And as I think about that, and what brings me incredible joy, and some of you here, you identify with that because you say, yeah, that was me. It brings me so much joy to know that this is the kind of God we serve, that he lifts us out of a complete mess and he work, and he does stuff in our lives. He cleans us up, cleans our hearts, sets us. He lifts us up. And that brings me to my next one. Why should I shine and loudly boast? Reason three, he gives purpose. He gives purpose. Verse eight, he sets them among princes, even the princes of his own people. He sets the people who were in the garbage dump, who were existing in hell on earth, those desperate, poor, needy people, the forgotten people. He lifts them up and sets them among the princes of his people. Now in the Old Testament, it's a consistent biblical theme. The idea of royalty comes with a sense of purpose, comes with a sense of servanthood. When David is coronated, when David is initiated as king in 2 Samuel 5, it said, the Lord told you, you will be the shepherd of my people. You will be the shepherd. You will protect the flock. You'll make sure the flock is fed. You'll look after the people. And this is what royalty is in Old Testament imagery. So when we hear that we're taking people that are needy and desperate, that are stuck in hell on earth, and God lifts them out of that, and he gives them a sense of purpose so that they can go on and they can bring hope and freedom to others. He sets them among the princes of his people. He sets them among people that have got purpose so they can take their place in the purpose that God has for them. And there's a quote, uh, Brian Houston, I'll say is one of my heroes. And there's a quote I have that I'd love to share with you. A blessed life is one that understands that when God saves you, he has others in mind. I believe every Christian needs to know that they are not only saved, but they are also called to live a life of purpose. From Brian Houston, live called, not just saved. Not only are you rescued out of hell on earth, rescued out of the garbage dump, you are set among the princes of his people to have prince and royal purpose. Live called, not saved. He lifts, restores dignity and peace and elevates, not just so that we can enjoy the view, but so that we can have that royal spirit, that royal attitude, that we are gonna shepherd. We are gonna shepherd and we are gonna tend to people. We're gonna help protect people and feed people. We're gonna help guide people. We're gonna take on that, that prince attitude of being a shepherd is what's gonna take on. And that's difficult, if not impossible, if you're stuck in the garbage dump, but God lifts. He lifts and he gives purpose. If one person claps, we all have to clap. Come on, somebody. Reason four, reason four, why should I shine and loudly boast? Reason four, he keeps promises. 
Let me reword a few of the verses we've read. Who can be compared with the Lord our God who is enthroned on high? He stoops to look down on heaven and on earth. He lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. He sets them among princes, even the princes of his own people. And as you kind of read through that verse, and we've looked at it a verse at a time, but if you see, you know, we have God on high, stooping down to earth, the dust and the garbage, setting people with the princes, but then it suddenly changes gear. It goes on verse 9, he gives the childless woman a family, making her a happy mother. Praise the Lord. And as you read the psalm in its entirety and you read it, that, that really is a break in the flow. It's a notable change of gears that you have here. And the psalmist definitely had another Old Testament passage in mind. And we're going to read that in just a moment. But this changing gears is to draw our attention to something that we cannot miss. So if we're going to go back to a passage from 1 Samuel. And this passage, this is Hannah, the mother of Samuel. And she is praising God that she has been given a son after praying for a son, begging God for a child for years and she finally has a son, and she's ready to dedicate that son to the Lord to be serviced uh, in the tabernacle. And as part of the long prayer that she says in 1 Samuel uh, 2, says this in verse 8, he lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. This sounds familiar. He sets them among princes, placing them in seats of honor. For all the earth is the Lord's, and he has set the world in order. So the psalmist obviously had this story in mind. The, the, the psalmist clearly had this moment where Hannah is dedicating and praising God for the miracle of having a son. It, it's so clear that that's right there. So the whole psalm acts as a reminder that God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. The story of Hannah, the story of her son Samuel, is a story of God keeping his promises. Every promise kept is a reminder that God is a promise keeper. Hannah wanted a child for years before she had Samuel. God not only kept the promise for Hannah, but if you look back through other portions prior to this in the Old Testament, you see that Sarah had a similar promise, and God kept his promise to her. You see Rebecca had a similar promise. God kept his promise to her. You see Rachel, similar promise. God kept his promise to her. You see Samson's mother, Similar promise. God kept his promise to her. This story of Hannah that is referred to in the psalm, it not only points to her, but it points to all the other stories of God's faithfulness. It, it, it points directly to one story of a barren woman who had a child. But in turn, it points to all the others. You remember that God, he's the one. When he makes a promise that he's doing something, he keeps it. Look at that one story, and don't forget, that one story points to a myriad of others. This is why as a, a church, we're obsessed with sharing stories. That's why very often you'll get a story uh, as part of the video, as part of a weekend service. It's why when we get together, we love to talk about the stories about how God is moving in our lives. It's because every story shared about God's breakthrough, about God bringing freedom, about God being true to his word, about God fulfilling a promise, it encourages us on the inside. And if we hear one story, that's encouraging. When we hear a whole bunch of stories that have come from the community of faith that have come from our church, it starts to fix our mindset that God truly is a promise keeper. It may be gloomy right now. You may be down 
ground right now. You may be up against real big opposition right now. That doesn't stop God being a promise keeper. And if you need evidence of that, just talk to the people around you. And as we share our stories about God making a way, God keeping his promise, God being true to his word, God pulling us through, not just here, but in eternity, man, it starts to change our mindset. And that... That is motivation to shine and loudly boast about who God is and what he is doing. I want to go back through. We talked about shine. We read this verse already from John 8. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. And we also read the first part of this, but I want to read a little more from Matthew. You, talking to his followers, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Now, I think there's somewhat of a strange promise that's built in that verse, that somehow me or you performing a good deed would translate into people praising God. That's what we read. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. But something that I want to invite you to take personally, individually, is be the reason someone thanks God. Be the reason someone thanks God. Good deeds is good actions, not good vibes, not good wishes. Do something that will lift someone else's head. There's no lack of opportunity. But as a church, we need to believe that this is a giant part of our purpose and our calling is to be the reason someone thanks God. Maybe, maybe they'll forget your name, but they'll remember his. Maybe we don't get credit, but maybe they'll praise God. Maybe you and I won't get the temporary, here and now, earthly reward. But God will be praised. And the freedom that you found as you were lifted out of the garbage dump, others will find it too as they praise him, as they start to shine and loudly boast about what he's done because some church somewhere, some Christian they work with, some neighbor they know cared enough about them to step out and be the reason that they praise God. Maybe they'll find hope and they'll find freedom that I know I found and I believe you have too. We also talked about loudly it's one of the words that halal, that Hebrew word, it sort of uh, it brings out this feeling of, of loud. Of, uh, it's, it's nothing to do with volume. It's how I want you to get this today. But when we talk about being loud, about being out loud, I don't want this to scare off the introverts. Any introverts here? Not a single hand went up. Come on. Like we can, can't even do that. This is not about volume. This is not an encouragement to go from being someone that's quiet and subdued to suddenly having to be loud and in everyone's face. This is just about having uh, an approach that you're not dying to fit in. Fitting in can't be the goal when God has called us to stand out. Fitting in can't be the goal when God has called us to stand out. And my encouragement to you and my hope for you is that we stand out for the right reasons. Loving people. 
I want to stand out. And trust me, I fall short of this on the daily. But I want to stand out because I love people. I want to stand out because I love people. That song that we sang in worship today, So Will I, I See Your Heart Eight Billion Different Ways. That song makes me ugly cry. To love people the way that Jesus did. Simple things. We can start doing this immediately about loving people so that we're loudly living out praise for God. The first is be kind. It's not deep, but it's lacking. Be kind. Forgive people quickly. Refuse to gossip. Tell the truth. How can anyone accuse you of being a religious, judgmental, awful, terrible, evil person, one of those religious maniacs, if you're living out loud for God, but you loudly living for him is all wrapped up in being kind, forgiving quickly, <laughs> refusing to gossip, and telling the truth. But you do those things, you'll stand out. I did not just describe what's typical at your workplace, did I? You'll stand out, you start doing this stuff. You start being kind, you start forgiving people, you start telling the truth, you start distancing yourself when the gossip's flying, you'll stand out. And this brings me on to the next thing. When we talk about boasting, if you're standing out for the right reasons, if you're being the reason that people are thanking God, you can expect the question. You can expect the question. 1 Peter 3.15, instead you must worship Christ as Lord of your life and if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. If you're living your life differently, my friend, I'm telling you, people will ask you about it. People will want to know, hold on, what is going on? I know you're one of those churchy types. I know that every Sunday you're a part of church, but there's something different about you. People will come and ask if you are genuinely loving people. People will ask, what is going on? And that will be a chance for you to share the answer, for you to boast about how great God is about how much he's done in your life, about how he transformed your heart, lifted you out of the garbage dump, and set you with princes of his people, gave you purpose, gave you a second chance. He stoops, he lifts, he gives purpose, he keeps promises. I got a couple of questions for you today. Hopefully that's helpful for you, and hopefully this week you'll have a chance to think about this a little bit, and hopefully prayerfully, the Lord will speak. But first question is this, is praise something you've reserved for Sunday? Is praise something you've reserved for Sunday? Do you need this psalm to be a reminder to you to shine, loudly boast, because God stooped. He came down and he met me on my level. He lifted me out of the garbage dump I was in and he gave my life a renewed sense of purpose and I have found him to be a promise keeper. Is praise something you've reserved for a Sunday? And the second question, how will I answer the question about my faith? How will I answer the question about my faith? I'm telling you, if you're shining, boasting loudly with kindness, with forgiveness, doing whatever you need to do to get away from the gossip, you're telling the truth, even when it's real difficult to tell the truth, people will ask. And I, I suggest get ready with an answer. How are you gonna let people know about how much God loves you how he has shown his love to you in countless ways. 
How are you going to communicate that to others so that they will want to encounter that for themselves? We're going to read verse 6 again. He stoops to look down on heaven and on earth. He lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. He sets them among princes, even the princes of his own people. Now, we've spent a long time in this psalm today. Stoops. He lifts. He sets. And we see his promises kept. It is an incredible, almost step-by-step of what Jesus did to fix the broken relationship between God and humanity. He stooped. He descended from heaven, took on the form of humanity. 2,000 years ago, as Jesus was born, God became a person. And then on the cross, to lift you, to lift me out of the garbage dump, out of hell on earth, out of a literal hell, he paid a price that you and I could never, ever pay. He became humanity to pay humanity's price to pay our part of the bargain because we had failed over and over to pay it ourselves despite our very best efforts. He came, he paid the price to lift us out of the garbage dump. And he doesn't stop there, he lifts. He promises an eternity. He promises restoration and peace and joy and fulfillment here and now to find hope in him and he keeps his promises. If you're here today and you're a believer, you're a Christian, you're following Jesus, I hope that you experience that. I hope that this is true for you. As you hear that, it just brings your heart alive because you're like, yes, this is describing my experience with him. You may be here today and you may not be a Christian. You may have never come to that point in your life where you've been ready to say, you know what? I'm gonna follow Jesus. I'm gonna start taking this faith thing seriously. I'm gonna start figuring out what role Jesus plays as Lord King of my life. But for reasons I may not be able to explain, you've reached that point today. Maybe something from uh, when the team was leading us in worship songs earlier, maybe one of the Bible verses that I read, but you're at that point now where you'd say, you know what? I believe God's for real. I believe He loves me. I believe He sent His Son to pay a price on the cross that I could never ever pay. I believe that three days later He rose again from the grave, conquering the power of sin and death in my life once and for all, and I can live in freedom with Him. And if you're at that point, I'd love to pray for you today. Pray that you begin an incredible journey of following God. So I wanna invite everyone here you mind just closing your eyes and bowing your heads this just gives some privacy to the people around you and give you a chance to focus on what really matters right now but if you're one of those people that in a moment of honesty you'd say Tom you know what I'm not following God but I want to start I'd love to pray for you today and I give you my word we're not going to do anything weird we're not going to do anything that makes you uncomfortable but we're going to pray together as a church in just a moment And if this is you, if you're at that point, I'd love to know that we're including you in that prayer. So for those of you here in the room, if this is you today, could you just put your hand up just for a moment, just so I know it's you. Thank you. Amen. Anybody else here? Amen. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. 
online, if this is you, just click that button that says, I raise my hand, and we all know this is for you. But anyone else here, just raise your hand just for a moment so I can see it. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Before we pray, one more chance. Is there anybody else here? I don't want you to miss out. If this is the moment where it all turns around for you, just put your hand in the air. I'd love to pray for you today. Amen. Awesome. Amen. Word of life, can we please celebrate together people making the best decision they could ever make in here today. Amen. We're going to pray a prayer. And the words are going to be on the screen. I'm going to say a line. And I want everybody in here to pray this back, believing that this is the power to change someone's life. And if you're praying this for the first time, I pray that you do so full of faith and full of confidence that God is going to shake things up for you, that God is going to help lift you out of whatever garbage dump you're in. So come on, everybody, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I want to follow you. I invite you to be Lord of my life. Help me follow you every day. I want to leave my old life of sin behind and heal my broken relationship with God. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, everybody, one more time. Let's celebrate with people. Amen. Well, I want to welcome back James, Megan. They're going to help us figure out what our next step might be. If you're one of those people that put your hand up a moment ago. Thanks, guys. Amen. Yes, let's give Pastor Tom a round of applause. This is such a great message again.